Hi, I'm Elizabeth Benoist, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. We get a first look at Superman's suit. Lena Luthor has been cast. And we shine a spotlight on the Legion of Superheroes. This is Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Carly Lane. And I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode, we are joined by Darren Noel of Legion of Substitute Podcasters and Corinne McCreary of Supergirl Power Hour to shine a spotlight on the Legion of Superheroes. But before we get to our discussion, we have... The News. We have our first look at Tyler Hecklin's Superman costume. So what does everybody think about it? I like it. I think it looks good. There's a lot of lens flare in this picture. Is this picture directed by J.J. Abrams? I'm not. I didn't even notice that. I noticed like the one, but now that I'm looking at it, there's at Just least everywhere. one, two, three, four, five. There's at least six lens flares in that. J.J. Abrams came in to guest direct this wow. photo shoot. Then it was like more lens flare. I didn't realize they're standing on the S shield. Yes. Oh, are. I did not realize that either. <laughs> I have looked at this picture so many times. I can't believe it. I'm only just noticing this now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah, I think it looks good. I'm not crazy about this picture. When I first saw it, I was like, is this a real picture? <laughs> it didn't. Uh, it's not as uh, flattering as I would have, you know, hoped for Tyler. I mean, he looks okay, but like he sort of doesn't know what to do with his hands. And um, <laughs> it, it just, uh, something about it doesn't look right. Right before we started um, recording, we were talking a little bit about spoilers kind of leaking out from the Vancouver shooting because it's not the same as as when they're in LA and they can be on a, a sound stage and it's like a studio but I saw somebody tweet out a photo of um you know like Tyler Hecklin doing kind of a shirt open thing and I swear I thought it was like a CGI rendering like there's an uncanny valley thing going on uh in this photo as well yeah there I'm not quite sure I, I how I feel about <laughs> yeah I don't know what is up with this picture that doesn't make me like it but I think it's fine like I I think it'll look better on screen because even when I was thinking about when the first time they uh released a picture of Melissa in her Supergirl suit I was not as like over the moon I mean I thought it looked okay but I was like this is not like blowing my mind grapes like it it was just okay so (laughs) so I have to remember that like these will look better on screen and this is just a picture yeah I I think the suit looks good I mean he he has uh, what what I think is good about what they've done with his suit is that it fits the narrative of the story that they've set up in the show that she has made her own suit and she's created her own as shield. She and Wen put that suit together. So it's not going to be so matchy matchy to Superman's suit. So I like that they have different S shields and I like that they have a, 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 a similar but not exact costume because I think that fits what they were setting up in season one. And I like the idea that she has her own identity. You know, she doesn't have just a, a copy of Superman's suit. She has her own thing going on. So that I do like. So I, I'm a, I'm appreciative of that part of the, the costume in the, in the picture. Yeah. And like Morgan said, even in the set photos that I've seen so far, the suit looks a lot better in those. Like, I think for some reason, this picture just doesn't do it justice. But in the shots that I've seen from filming where he's in the suit, it looks way better. Yeah, I feel like there's there's a lot of photo shots. Like some, they gave this photo to somebody and they were like, yes, 
I will make this mine. And they just like photoshopped <laughs> the bejesus out of it. Like filter. Yeah. This is like Instagram yeah, so many, filters. Yeah, it look it looks like this was put through Instagram twenty times with different <laughs> filters. <laughs> well, and the the thing that I don't like about it, well, and this is just a, a Superman design in general, is that I've never understood because like Superman had the red underwear, the the red underpants for a, a little while that he wore on the outside of his pants. That was, uh, it went back to the Victorian era strong men or whatever it was, and so that was kind of carried on through throughout a lot of Superman's history. And then when we got to the New Fifty Two, that kind of changed, and the the red belt look started appearing. And I've never quite understood why Superman needs a belt. Like, does he put things in the belt? Is it like a utility belt? Does it hold the suit up? Does he need it for his pants? Like, I don't, I don't understand what the belt is used for. Now I really want him to have like super suspenders. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, that, at least those are functional. At least that would kind of make sense. I mean, he's got the cape; it could hold hold the cape in place. Yeah. So that's the only thing. I mean, I know they probably want something there, like. I love Henry Cavill's Superman suit because it just kind of takes away the all the unnecessary things about that suit to me. But I guess they wanted something, you know, red, something else colorful there, which I personally don't think you need it. Um, but I guess they were just kind of following that the show was following kind of what the New 52 had set up and what some of the other comic iterations um, have done. So uh, even though I don't <laughs> see the necessity of the belt, I guess it's it's there to kind of be an homage to the comics. He might surprise you. He might do all kinds of things with that belt. He might like <laughs> he might like store stuff in it, like little like super chapsticks and stuff. You don't I, know. I hope so because I would like to see him use the belt because then that would justify its existence. <laughs> Maybe he puts his keys in there. I don't know. Yes. How do you think he gets home? <laughs> I, I, I guess. I mean, maybe he puts his, like, ID in there. I don't know. Actually, I hope he doesn't put his ID in there. That would be dangerous for Superman. Yeah. His, like, Clark Kent driver's license is in there. Um, so, yeah. So, that's that's the only thing I'm like, eh, why do you need a belt? But overall, I think it, it looks pretty good, and I think it fits the what the story has been set up to do. Yeah, and um, according to KryptonSite.com, it's been officially confirmed that Calista Flockhart will be in multiple episodes of Season 2 as a recurring guest star. Yay! Uh, (laughs) Beginning with the Season 2 premiere, which airs on October 10th on The CW. This is very exciting. Uh, Supergirl's executive producer, Andrew Kreisberg, was quoted as saying, Supergirl wouldn't be Supergirl without the amazing Calista Flockhart as Cat Grant. We're so excited Calista has agreed to continue on the show when she can. We and the audience love to see her on screen. I'm glad for this because I'm glad we at least have an official confirmation, but I'm I'm still kind of disappointed she's only going to be recurring. But, I, 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 you know, that's the way of, of the move to Vancouver. I guess that's that's kind of the best we're going to get. Yeah. Well, like also, it, well, go ahead. Uh, sorry. If it was <laughs> up to me, I would have Callista on every episode all the time, <laughs> just like just following every character in every scene, saying mean things. Right. But uh, since we can't have that, I'll take whatever I can get. <laughs> yeah. Plus, it makes sense, I mean, because Kat's not uh, Kara's boss anymore. So, I mean, or she's not working directly for Kat. So, narratively, it makes sense that she's not going to be around all the time. Um, I'm just glad we're getting her back in some capacity. I think that's true. I think that it it makes sense for the story. And I also think it might actually make us appreciate Kat's presence more. Yeah. Like when we see her over there, hey, Kat's going, you know, Kat's right. on the show. So maybe, maybe we will um, be more excited when we see her on screen now. Yeah, I, I figured something similar would happen to that. Not only when they moved, but when some of the character breakdowns for the new season came out. We saw uh, like the breakdown for Snapper Car, and it looked like he was going to be, you know, the person Kara was interacting with more often. And I was like, oh, that's probably to take the load off of a Clista Flockhart. Yeah. Well, we'll see how they they do it, but I, I have a feeling that they'll they'll probably use you know utilize her screen time and her availability. Um, you know, in the, in the best possible way that they will maximize her time and, and give us some good cat grant for season two. And for our last bit of news, according to TVLine.com, Katie McGrath has been cast as Lena Luther. TVLine gave us this new description of Lena. Beautiful, powerful, and enigmatic. 
Lena arrives in National City on the heels of Brother Lex's incarceration, hoping for a fresh start. Lena has taken over as CEO of her family's billion-dollar tech company, Luther Corp, which has been tarnished by Lex's evil infamy. Her goal? To rebrand the empire as a force for good. Lena wants to be seen as her own person separate from her brother. Car is forced into Lena's ooh, Lena's sphere. That is super hard to say. Lena's sphere and must determine if she is friend or foe. And I don't know about you guys, but I personally hope she's going to be a foe. I'm so psyched. I love Katie McGrath. Oh, she's so good. She is awesome. And I, this is the first bit of news for season two. Like everything else has been, you know, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. You know, we'll see how that plays out. But when they dropped this, I was like, yes, 100% on board, heart eye emoji, 100 points emoji. <laughs> like, you know, this this is this is the thing that got me really, really excited because I'm a big fan of Merlin from the BBC and Katie played Morgana and she, the, the best way I can describe Morgana is she was delicious as a villain. Like she was campy, but she was evil. And she had like this baby dragon that she kept as a pet and it was amazing. So I <laughs> highly recommend Merlin because Katie is really great. And so I'm hoping that we'll get to see kind of some of that evil stuff, you know, kind of that maybe she's good, maybe she's trying to be good, but maybe she turns evil in the end. So I, I'm really excited about this. I'm really excited about this, too. I'm hyped about this news. Um, not only do I love her because I didn't actually get to the baby dragon portion of Merlin. Oh, so good. I, I, I dropped out, I guess, earlier than that. But I loved her on Merlin. And I think what she did on Merlin, in especially in the early seasons, was she was very, like, conflicted, multidimensional. Like, you could see her sort of sliding into villainy. But I would love this to be sort of her, you know, Smallville, Supergirl, Smallville, Lex Luthor kind of character where she wants to, you know, she wants to trust this person and they're kind of friends, but there's always that lingering doubt. Like I would love that kind of conflicted friendship um, to see a conflicted female friendship version mm. of that would be amazing. It sounds like there's going to be kind of a parallel between the Lena Carr relationship with the Clark Lex. I mean, I mean, we see it in Smallville, <laughs> like you guys were talking about, <laughs> but you know, and, and that, in that, depiction Clark and Lex start out as friends and so it'll be interesting to see a different uh Kryptonian and a different Luthor kind of kind of meet and see how that dynamic is different and maybe some of the ways that it's similar and and also like I'm a fan of any any kind of multi-dimensional female character like that where you don't maybe don't know their true motivations and they're not entirely good but they're not entirely evil either so that's exciting also, I have not seen Merlin Confession. Oh, but, you have uh, to watch it. But I do, I do love Katie McGrath, even though I think she deserved better in Jurassic World. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jurassic World. What? The death of her character was oh. the most inexplicable part of that movie. And that's saying something. So gratuitous <laughs> and, like, unnecessarily long. Like, what did that Un girl do? <laughs> unnecessarily long. It was devastating. <laughs> well, I highly recommend Merlin. Um, and in that last season, Morgan, if you haven't mm -hmm. watched it, like, she goes to crazy, like, she packs a bag, she gets on a bus, and she travels to crazy town. And it's amazing. <laughs> I love it. I it's, love it. It's amazing. Um, and what I like about that, and I know we're kind of talking about the multidimensional aspects of characters. I am sort of tired. Now, I'm not sort of. I'm actually really tired of stories that try to play like, Oh, they're a bad guy, but really, they're uh, they're trying to be good. They're trying to be redeemed. I want a villain to villain. You know what I mean? Like, I want somebody to actually come on and and play a bad guy. And I would really love to see Lena kind of take the opposite path of what seems to be a trend in my eyes on, especially on TV, where you know, villains start off as villains and then they become these, you know, puppy dogs later on. I want I want to see somebody maybe start off with good intentions and like you said, slide into slide into evil and, and kind of go down a dark path. And that would be really neat to see if Lena and Kara start off as friends and, and try to do good things together and then something happens. That would be a really fascinating thing that I would be really drawn to. And I think Katie would 
knock that out of the park. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I'm I'm really excited about that. I like for all that I kind of sigh sadly over Smallville. I think that that was the most intriguing part that the that show brought to the the Superman myth was the idea that you know Clark and Lex were friends and that sort of this drift happened between them and Lex turned to the dark side. So I would love to see something similar on Supergirl. um, Cause I think that that's really compelling. And if Supergirl is going to, you know, take parts from the different Superman, like mythologies, the comics and the TV shows, like take the best part of Smallville, take that part. (laughs) Don't take any of the rest of it. Just, just that part. (laughs) Yeah. And I think this will sort of, for me, help soften the blow for Laura Benanti not being around as much and maybe not, yes. you know, you know, not Astra being around um, to have, you know, another villain pop up and she won't be Kryptonian, which will be nice because as, as nice, as fun as it is to see heat vision duels, I, I got a lot of that in season one. So I, 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 it would be very refreshing for me if Kara had to go up against somebody like Lena. So I, I think this opens up all kinds of doors and all kinds of possibilities to uh, what we could see in season two. They talk about Luther Corp as like a tech company. So it'd be interesting to see if she has a competition with an actual Lord. Ooh, Ooh. I like that idea. Like if they're like rivals, you know, rival competing rivals. Cause I didn't do, I feel like we've talked about this several times debating on whether or not they've mentioned Luther Corp in season one. And I don't know if they did. I don't I, think that they did. I don't I think, think that they, they were, did either. I feel like season one, they were like, steer away from Superman, steer away. <laughs> if we don't mention him and you only see his boots, no one will remember. <laughs> and I feel like season two is like steer towards Superman straight towards his beautiful face. Like I feel like there is no middle ground. You're either like Superman is on the show or Superman is G chatting with her. Like there's, there's no, just like Superman exists. It's like, shh, do not speak his name. Yeah. That's a good point. Cause that, that is kind of what is happening. So I, I think that'll be interesting because now I'm kind of interested in, in knowing more about Lena and Lex's relationship and maybe what Lex did. And, and yeah, I think bringing Maxwell Lord into, into this dynamic would be a really intriguing possibility. Um, and we, we might get to know more about National City and what, what's going on there. So I, I, like I said, I think this is, this is nothing but great news. So I'm, I'm super jazzed about it. Yeah, me too. I'm super excited. I, like one of my, uh, I love I just love the Luthers because I think that they're such a good like foe for like Superman and Supergirl because you know we saw in the first season a lot like Supergirl would go and she would like use her powers and she would defeat the enemy but like if she uses her powers on like you know Lena like Lena will just blow up. Yeah. So <laughs> like it's it's interesting to see her like you have to she has to be she would have to be more cerebral like and we saw it a little bit in some of her dealings with Maxwell Lord where she was like well I can't just punch him I'll kill him. Yeah, I think it it's always a a good thing for Superman or Supergirl to go up against just a regular human and how do they deal with that? So I think that would actually this this would actually be a good reason to bring in Superman because Superman would probably have experience with that on how to deal with Lex. So uh, I think that that could be a, a parallel between them. And you have to wonder: uh, is Lex in? I'm assuming Lex is in jail because of Clark slash Superman. Yeah, you would think that Superman would have. Superman probably threw him in there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah, so this is super. I mean, I, I, I can't tell you how much I freaked out when I saw this news. Now uh, I'm thinking about, like, Lena interacting with Clark. Ooh. I know. I'm like, see, I'm so excited for so many different aspects. <laughs> that of could this. be good, too. And I'm hoping that Lena sticks around for a while. Like, I hope she's like a season two, season long. They said she's a Are, regular. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so she could potentially her, be around all season. Yeah. Her. They said Lena. I think the regulars were Lena and Snapper. Oh, that's right. And Maggie. I, and Maggie. Maggie. I think Maggie. Yeah. Was and the, one. Oh, that was the other one I was really excited about. Yeah, so actually the new characters are are enhancing the Supergirl world and and opening opening up some doors to some other things. So, uh, yeah, that's very exciting. All right. Well, um, 
Since we saw a tease of the Legion of Superheroes in Supergirl Season 1, all of us here at Supergirl Radio would like to know a little bit more about the Legion and what that means for the TV series. So we've invited some Legion of Superheroes experts to teach us a little bit about their history, their various incarnations, and recommend some stories we can check out. So I would like to welcome Darren Noel and Corinne McCreary. Welcome, guys. Thanks for coming. Hello. Here are some basic things to know about the Legion of Superheroes history in the comics. Their first appearance was in Adventure Comics 247. That was in April 1958. They were created by Otto Binder and Al Placino, who just so happens to be to also be the writer and artist for Supergirl's debut and two of the creators, along with Kurt Swan of Kara Zor-El. Yeah, that's very cool. The Legion and Supergirl seem to be very connected, so uh, I think it's very necessary for us to learn about them. Um, so, Darren, Corinne, we have some questions, because I have a lot of questions about the Legion. <laughs> sure. Everyone sure. does. Everyone um, does, yes. Yeah, so um, so one of the things I've noticed over kind of my own personal study of the Legion is that they're, they're usually presented like in different media, television, animation, stuff like that, when they're sort of introduced in a one-shot or a one-episode or something, there's usually like a little group that's introduced, not not the whole Legion. Um, so I was curious, because a lot of times it's like Cosmic Boy, Saturn Girl, and somebody else. So is there a, like a usual group, or does it kind of rotate in and out? When the Legion comes on, typically, it's going to be Cosmic Boy, Saturn Girl, and Lightning Lad. Those are the three founding members of the Legion. Sometimes they played with Lightning Lad. I think Superman did um, and put Chameleon Boy in his place. And I think they did that because they didn't want to confuse anyone with the Livewire uh, villain that was in the Superman oh, cartoon yes, at the same all, time. Oh, yes, with all the, the lightning bolts. Yes, yes. It, with all the lightning going on, mm-hmm. yeah. So, And then there's about, oh, 50, 60 other members. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and is is there like a, a leader? I know Cosmic Boy is sometimes shown as the leader. Um, Corinne, who would you say, is, is there a leader of the Legion? There is, and this is one of the funnest parts of the Legion, is their leader is elected by the team and actually also in the past has been elected by the fans. So they had writing campaigns where you voted for the leader of the Legion. And then for the next year or so of stories... Whoever won the fan vote was actually elected leader. That's really cool. Hmm. I, do, do they still do that kind of thing now? Is that still like a like a common they, thing? They with did the it in the last incarnation of the book, but it didn't go over well oh. <laughs> because the book was about to end. Oh, so, yeah. Okay. Well, and um, I know there are some legion members who might be a little more popular than some others some some people might have some favorites so who would you all say would be the most popular legionnaires according to fans or even who writers prefer um darren we'll start with you you're asking me to choose between my babies (laughs) it's a very difficult thing to do um as far as supergirl fans um you might want to know brainiac 5 brainiac Mm -hmm. 5 is the descendant of brainiac and he is uh, Supergirl's love interest in the 30th century. Um, Monel is actually Superboy's quote unquote brother. He's mistaken for Superboy's brother. Turns out he's from another planet and just has the same powers. But instead of kryptonite, uh, Monel is allergic to lead. It causes him to die. So, oh, wow. Superboy, Yikes. yeah, Superboy, how much lead is on Earth? Yeah, that, that issue didn't last very long. And Monel got put into the Phantom Zone for a thousand years. While Super until we Boy, figured out lead, uh, lead-based until, paint? or Until we figured out how to cure him of his lead poisoning. And then they brought him out um, in the 30th century to be a legionnaire. So th- those are the two that are most important, I think, to Supergirl. And, of course, Superboy is a member of the Legion as well. Well, and and for you personally, who are your favorites? Like, if you had to name your top three. My favorite Element Lad. Okay. I've always loved Element Lad. He, he's been a uh, Legion leader for a long time, off and on. Um, great powers. He can transmute elements from one thing to another thing. Uh, he comes from a planet that was completely decimated by a space pirate. He's the only survivor, so kind of got that Superman origin in a way. Um, and he basically is... I would say kind of the spiritual center of the Legion at times. Uh, Dream Girl is another favorite of mine. She's kind of the vampy uh, character who, and that vamp act hides a brain that does never, never quits. 
Hmm. Never quit. She is one of the smartest legionnaires on the team. And then I have to go with Sensor Girl. And oh. if you've not read the story, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but let's just say Sensor Girl has a past. Hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's, it's a very interesting and well worth read. Very Once cool. You get deep into the Legion. Hmm. Very cool. Well, Corinne, um, would you agree that the. The characters that he mentioned, uh, Monel and Brainiac Five, would be the ones that Supergirl fans really need to pay attention to. Absolutely, um, they are really important to her relationship with the Legion, especially Brainy. Um, her and Brainy's relationship is my OTP of forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would also add her relationships with the female members, uh, Saturn Girl and Triplicate Girl, and uh, Phantom Girl, especially. She has really good relationships with all of them, and those are fun issues to read. Um, specifically thinking of like her interactions with them in the Supergirl Volume 5 Annual Number 2, written by Sterling Gates. Oh, yes. So. We, we, we like that name here on Supergirl. Right <laughs> um, and, and who are your personal favorites, Corinne? Do you have, do you have a top three? I do. Um, it all depends on whether we're going to count Supergirl in it or not. She's obviously <laughs> my number true. one. That's true. She is a Legionnaire as well. She is by far my favorite. But if I had to select three that weren't Kara, it would be Wildfire because I love his attitude. He's really fun. He's a being of pure energy and almost as strong as Superboy. Brainiac 5 just... I will always love Brainy and everything about him. And probably Saturn Girl. It's really hard for me to pick the third one there, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's always hard when there's such a big group and you have to narrow it down. Um, yeah, and I have a little bit of knowledge of Brainiac 5, and, and I, I like him as well. I've read a little bit of him in the comics, and of course he was on JLU with Supergirl. In uh, mm-hmm. an episode that we will chat about later, and that we've also covered on Supergirl Radio, if you would like to listen to that. Um, but I, I also enjoy the Supergirl Brainy relationship, and I hope we get, actually get to see that on the show sometime because uh, we know that through Indigo that the Brainiac thing has been set up. Um, and so I was curious because I kind of know how Supergirl gets involved with the Legion because of Smallville and JLU, but in terms of the comics, how how does she normally get involved with them? Uh, well, uh, I believe the story was called Supergirl's Three Supergirlfriends um, <laughs> or something to that effect. It was very 1950s, 60s, of course, um, and it was a rehash of how Superboy joined the Legion in a way that these three girls show up and they know Supergirl's secret. Oh no! And she's like, she's in her secret identity and they call her by Supergirl. How are you? Or um, she's flying around with Supergirl and they go, hey, Linda Lee or Linda Danvers. I forget which one it was at the time. And uh, It was Linda Lee at that Linda point. Linda Lee, yeah. <laughs> and um, she's like, who are these girls? They're going to ruin my secret identity because that was the whole rage back then. <laughs> and then um, she meets them and they're like, no, we're just your friends from the future. And uh, they take her back to the 30th century, and she joins the Legion along with Brainiac 5. And that was actually her second encounter with the Legion. Uh, About a year before that, she was actually met by the founders, Lightning Lad, Cosmic Boy, and Saturn Girl. And she went to join the Legion, but during her entrance exam, she ran across Red Kryptonite, which this time around had the effect of aging her past the 18-year limit, (laughs) and she couldn't join. So they came back about a year later and let her in. Yeah, there's a thing called Legion hazing that goes on where (laughs) the Legion gives Superboy and Supergirl a hard time about joining. (laughs) It's just never going to work out right for them at some point. And well, and I guess that brings up a point that we should probably cover for somebody who is brand new to the the Legion of Superheroes. What is the mission of the group, and how do you, do you join the Legion? Like Supergirl wants to be a part of the Legion of Superheroes. How does she become a Legion member, and what is their purpose? Well, we we would have to go deep into the Legion Constitution, and yes, there is such a document <laughs> um, to to get into the the wherewithals and everything. But you do have to be under eighteen. You do have to have one distinct superpower unless your superpowers duplicate Superboy. So mm-hmm. Supergirl and Monel 
easily get in, even though they duplicate each other because they're like, hey, they're super people. They can do everything. Um, you have to have good heart, show courage, that kind of thing. And later on in the series, you have to be able to you know, pass several tests, either be nominated by the membership while under fire or they have a membership drive where they decide to induct new members because they have a need in their roster. And Corinne, can you tell us a little bit about the Legion flight ring? Originally, they had rocket packs that they (laughs) used to fly around. And then eventually, it was a flight belt that Brainiac 5 came up with, if I remember right. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then he eventually came up with the flight ring instead. So it's kind of a... It's a token of membership that also grants you superpowers. Um, for some of their members, it's very important that they have the additional b- ability to fly. I'm thinking of Ultra Boy, who has all of Superboy and Supergirl's powers, but can only use one at a time. <laughs> so if he wanted to fly, he would have to turn off his invulnerability or his super strength, so he couldn't do everything at once. So having a flight ring really helps him out. And um, does it also, I've seen in some versions where it's kind of like a teleportation kind of a thing, where it's like time travel. Is that, is that part of the, the Legion flight ring as well? That's on TV. That's just TV. That's okay. just TV. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> time travel in comics requires a time bubble or a time cube, and then they go in it, and there's several panels of this machine traveling through time, usually some kind of a rainbow field, and then they finally wind up where they're going. Um yeah, the the Legion flight ring typically just enables flight and communication with other members. Okay. And, and it's mm-hmm. a tracking device, so the headquarters can keep track of who is where. Oh, that makes sense. Well, that, that actually clears up a lot of things for me about the flight ring, so I appreciate that. <laughs> no, um, well, that's the Superboy and Supergirl wear one. They yeah, don't need a flight right, ring, but right. they do it for the other purposes. Right, it, it kind of yeah. identifies them as Legion members. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, since we're kind of talking about the Legion and Supergirl... Um, what issues or story arcs or comics would you recommend to our listeners if they wanted to go check out a story with that, that features Supergirl with the Legion? Um, Corinne, let's start with you. My favorite Silver Age story with Supergirl and the Legion is Satan Girl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Ooh. Uh-huh. And th- that was Adventure Comics 313, where uh, she comes up against a foe that calls herself Satan Girl, and who has almost all of her powers. Um, not going to spoil the ending. It's only one issue long. It's a really quick read because it's really Silver Agey, so it's really quick to read through. Mm-hmm. It's probably my favorite Silver Age Legion tale. And then when we get into the Bronze Age, which is the 70s and 80s, um, I have to recommend the Great Darkness Saga. Supergirl's not a huge part of that story, but it's probably the best Legion story ever written. That sounds pretty good. That's a good title for that. <laughs> the Great Dark. It's the Great Darkness Saga. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And yep. It's, that's a good title. That is a good it's title. A five issue arc. It's been reprinted multiple times in trades, so it's really easy to track down. Very cool. Well, um, Darren, do you have any stories that you might recommend with featuring Supergirl or just Legion stories in general? Sure, there's there's a few. Um, uh, the Great Darkness Saga goes without saying. It is is the best Legion story ever. So it, it's great sci-fi. Pick it up, read it. There's actually a hardcover that goes from issue 284 on through 300. Has some great super Supergirl stuff in there besides Great Darkness Saga. But if you read that, you'll be hooked to Legion. Promise mm-hmm. you. That's just the end of your life. It's over. It's done. Um, <laughs> Supergirl stories. We're going to get into some Silver Age quirkiness when the world was not as uh, advanced as we are now. Um, there's a story called Superman Super Courtship in 1962, Action Comics 289. Uh, Supergirl is doomed to do the housework in the hall. Uh, uh, not the hall, Justice, but the uh, Fortress of Solitude. And she thinks to herself... If Superman gets a wife, then I won't have to do this anymore. <laughs> so she spends the entire story trying to fix Superman up with Helen of Troy. Oh, wow. And then she goes to uh, the future and tries to um, 
hook Superman up with the adult Saturn woman in the Legion. And that doesn't go well because Lightning uh, Man is married to Saturn Woman, and they didn't know about it, and Superman's got his lips locked firmly on Saturn Woman. Uh-oh. And uh, then Supergirl thinks, well, I should have hooked him up with Phantom Woman. She must be single. Like, oh, she's she's crazy. Okay. And then uh, something happens that's very frightening in which Superman figures it out finally because he's brilliant. And he says to Supergirl, I know exactly what kind of woman I'd want to marry, Supergirl. Someone like you. Yeah. And even though we're cousins <laughs> and legal in some states, it's like, no, it's very no. awkward. It's very awkward. No, yeah. it's not. It's Kansas, yeah. not Alabama. Um <laughs> There, there's another one where all the girl legionnaires catch the crimson virus. Hmm. That is Satan girl. Oh, is that the Satan girl one? Okay, I'm just thinking yes. the cover. Is that the Satan girl one? Oh, yep, that's, that's just Satan a frightening girl. cover. It's like oh, all the girls look red and they're they're quarantined by the boys, and we can read symbolism into that, right? Okay. Um, <laughs> then um, Great Darner Saga, obviously. Um, Legion of Superheroes number three hundred three. It's a one shot story with. Um, Five Legionnaires, including Supergirl and Brainy, in action against the Emerald Empress. It's a classic Legion action story. It has some great moments of Supergirl really showing her stuff. Beyond I that, mention that one because that was also on my list. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, Crisis on Infinite Earths, number seven. Yeah, Supergirl's passing, and then uh, Legion of Superheroes Baxter series number sixteen, where Brainiac Five mourns her death in the future. Yeah, that issue is actually framed on my wall. Yeah, that's a that's a uh, a, a great story. Well, I, I don't want to say a great story for Supergirl. That, that's that's with her death. Am I correct? Yeah. Um, and uh, but I but I do like the the events surrounding. It's a very epic story. Um, and just real quick, that that whole time period that that was them trying to get rid of things related to Superman to make him the, the last son of Krypton. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. That's what I've heard. So yeah. they, so they got that rid of the Legion. Absolutely they correct. got rid of Supergirl, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's a, that's kind of a, 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 an important milestone in terms of comics to, to where that was happening at the mm-hmm. time. Um, but I'm, I'm glad they brought them back. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah. So um, do you guys have anything else you want to say about the comic versions of the Legion before we move on? One thing I'd like to add is that there have been a couple of other variations of the Legion over the oh, years. Because um, the Silver and Bronze Age Legion is the one that we primarily focused on today. But there was a 1990s version that actually erased the Superboy from their history. So it didn't have to rely on him at all. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, and it it was written as a 90s series. So it had a lot of the 90s teenage slang and things like that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then they, there was... they kind of look like Jughead characters. They were, we call it the the Archie Legion. <laughs> uh, they're drawn kind of in that style of an Archie comic in a way. Interesting. Yeah. And then there was the Three Boot Legion, which is the other Legion that Supergirl is tied really closely to. Um, it's the Legion that was written by Mark Wade and Barry Kitson. And it came out in the early 2000s, right after uh, Kara Zor-El returned to comics. And at, I think, issue number 16, it was retitled Supergirl in the Legion of Superheroes for about Uh, 20 issues. Yep. Mm -hmm. And she was a huge part of that book for a good two and a half years. And it's a fantastic read. I haven't read it in a while, so I'm not as up to date on it as I'd like to be. All right. Well, that's something I'm going to put on my my wish list. That sounds pretty good. Um, well, uh, Morgan, do you want to start us off with uh, the animation section? Yeah, sure. So the Legions of Superheroes has enjoyed lots of screen time on television in the form of animation. Uh, Chameleon Boy, uh, voiced by Jason Priestley. Saturn Girl, voiced by Melissa Joan Hart. And Cosmic Boy, voiced by Chad Lowe, appear in a Superman the Animated Series episode titled New Kids in Town. Darren, Corinne, have you all seen this episode? Oh, yeah. Not in a very long time. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What what did you think uh, about the representation of the Legion in this episode? Well, it was cute. I mean, it's always nice to see your favorites on TV. I I thought it was a greatly done 
episode of Animation TV. <laughs> yeah, I um, was not as familiar with Chameleon Boy. I kind of knew who Saturn Girl and Cosmic Boy and Lightning Lad were because they're they're kind of the the more popular ones that kind of appear in. Um, animation or live action TV. And so Chameleon Boy, I, when I rewatched the episode today, I was like, oh, he's kind of like Beast Boy, but he can turn into like other things besides animals. Is that right? Is that kind of... Well, is there's, that, there's okay. always been debate about that. Um, okay. <laughs> Chameleon Boy's antenna supposedly feed out radar waves that take pictures of items and objects and animals, and then he can turn into them. He like stores them. Oh, so okay. it's not clear. Sometimes it depends on the writer what he can actually do. Okay, good so, to know. Yeah. And in his first appearance, he took the form of a tree. Yeah. Oh, okay. And yeah, he's I... been a couch before. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like he's not plastic, man. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I thought it was interesting because he started turning into things that I didn't think he would turn into. So I was like, oh, okay. And I guess we should clarify. We've been, I, I know I've been mentioning Cosmic Boy and Saturn Girl a lot. Um, Corinne, can you talk to us about um, like what Cosmic Boy and Saturn Girl are known for, what they can do, that kind of thing? Yeah. Um, Cosmic Boy, his real name is Rock, and he comes from a planet where everybody has powers over magnetism. So that's his superpower is that he is kind of like Magneto in that way going with somebody that listeners are probably more familiar with. And then Saturn Girl comes from one of Saturn's moons, Titan. Her real name is Imra Ardeen, and she has telepathy, which in her earliest appearances was called super thought casting, which <laughs> is just a bizarre way to describe telepathy. Yeah, in, in this Superman, the animated series episode, she is able to mind wipe people and install new memories and kind of tell people things they need to know. So, yeah, she's got a lot of cool mind powers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and moving on, we uh, kind of stay in the DCAU for a little while. Um, in an episode of Justice League Unlimited titled Far From Home, which we covered on Supergirl Radio, so you can go listen to that if you would like. Um, Bouncy Boy, voiced by a man, an actor named Googie Gress, which I love. I love that name. And Brainiac <laughs> 5, voiced by Matt Zucri, were featured in Supergirl's final episode of the series. So um, I highly recommend it. If you've never seen it, it's a great episode. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. Brainy and Supergirl are really cute in that episode if you're into that. And um, that's definitely one to check out because they do they, – they feature – Bouncing Boy and, and, and Brainy pretty heavily, but they do kind of have little Easter eggs of some other members in there. Uh, that's probably my favorite episode of the entire Justice League cartoon series. And yeah. mostly just because it hits me right in the Brainy Cara feels. <laughs> All the feels. Yeah, and it's, it's something I guess we could point out as well that... In that episode, as well as on Smallville, I believe she sort of, Supergirl ends up with the Legion. That That's sort of her, you know, destination. She kind of leaves Earth and leaves the current time to go uh, into the future with them. So uh, I think that's an interesting part of her character. I like that for her in the cartoon where she was able to get out of Clark's shadow and do her own thing. Yeah, and it's neat that she has her own group. You know, Superman has... Mm-hmm. The Justice League, and she can kind of have her own little Justice League with the Legion of Superheroes. Yep. Um, and then it looks like from September 23rd, 2006 to April 5th, 2008, the Legion had their own animated TV series on the CW called Legion of Superheroes. It ran for two seasons and 26 episodes and was part of Kids WB. And I noticed, and this is something I've been kind of wanting to ask the, the experts, because... I've noticed that Legion of Superheroes, like the superheroes, sometimes has a dash and sometimes doesn't. Is there a reason for that? Or is it just a thing? (laughs) Maybe it's just to drive you insane. It's just a thing. Okay. It's just a weird (laughs) thing that happens. Okay. Because I wanted to make make sure that I notated it correctly. Should it have a dash between superheroes and heroes? 
I, I would I would forward that email to Dan Didio at DC Comics. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I wanted to get that clarified. Um, and and, and just because if they will make up their minds, we'll happily we'll happily conform. We're let, fans, but let's, you let's know, make whatever. sure we get that correct. <laughs> Um, and I, I was curious because I haven't seen this this show. Have y'all watched this animated series? Oh, it's it's fun. It's it's got about six or seven members in the first season. They concentrate on um, Lightning Lad, Saturn Girl, Phantom Girl, um, da, 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 Timberwolf, uh, Bouncing Boy, and Triplicate Girl, and then of course Superman. Not Superboy, Superman, because this is when we were feuding with the. Uh, the Siegel family over oh, the right. use of Superboy um, <laughs> comes from the past to the future, and he stays there for a while to learn what it's like to be here. Oh, and Brainiac 5 is in it as well. Um, a lot of people didn't like what Brainiac 5 did in this one. He's kind of a techno-mecha. Um, he can change his body into these big robot shapes as necessary or mm. do other things. Um, it, as it got more into the second season, they introduced more of the characters. Um, and you saw some of the characters tertiarily, but they didn't speak or anything like that. They just acted. So um, I would definitely recommend this as great kids TV and and great um, fun sci-fi. If you like stuff that's not so brainy, I mean, if you don't want <laughs> Asimov, then <laughs> this is pretty good action-adventure sci-fi. Yeah, I definitely want to check it out now. Well, in addition to animated television, the Legion of Superheroes has appeared in animated films. One of them is a 2014 direct-to-video animated film called JLA Adventures, Trapped in Time. In that movie, Dawn Star is voiced by Lara Bailey and Karate Kid is voiced by Dante Basco. And another direct-to-video animated film is one that we have recently covered on Supergirl Radio called, and this is a very long title, it's called Lego DC <laughs> Comics Superheroes colon Justice League colon Cosmic Clash. Um, so there's, <laughs> there's <laughs> lots, lots of colons. Um, you don't have to say the colons, I just said the colons um, <laughs> for, for fun times. <laughs> Um, but in the, in that movie, Cosmic Boy is voiced by Yuri Lowenthal. Saturn Girl is voiced by uh, Kari Walgren. And Lightning Lad is voiced by Andy Milder. Um, so I, I was not familiar with Dawnstar and Karate Kid, so um, that's kind of neat to see them in action. Well, well, Dawnstar is a descendant of the race of, now think about this, kids, Amerins. A-M-E-R-I-N-D-S. Um, she looks like Cher. <laughs> from the 1975 half-breed um, <laughs> video, except with wings. Hmm. That's her thing. She is a bounty hunter, and she is brought into the Legion by Wildfire um, <laughs> because of her ability to track anyone across the galaxy. As far as Karate Kid, it's not Ralph Macchio. This is the original <laughs> Karate Kid um, that DC created, and he is the only one to win his Legion membership by dueling Superboy to a draw. Oh. Um, in hand-to-hand combat, he has mastered every form of martial arts known to anyone in the galaxy. Um, we believe he does have kind of a superpower, but it's a passive one. It's detect um, weakness, detect flaw, and that's where he strikes, and he typically wins that way. Uh, Karate Kid is one of the Legionnaires who dies. Um, there's a few who have entered those hallowed halls in the Legion um, histories. Uh, he died in battle fighting Nemesis Kid in the Legion of Superheroes, Legion of Supervillains War. Wow. Mm. He, he yeah. seems a lot more impressive than I initially. I, I didn't yeah. give Karate Kid a, lot, a little, you know, I didn't give him any credit <laughs> initially. But, uh, well, it's uh, interesting like that they cool chose character. these two because Dawnstar is a callback to Apache Chief from Super Friends, mm. and Karate Kid is the callback to Samurai from the Super Friends, which that movie was clearly trying to emulate. Very cool. Um, the Legion of Superheroes has also appeared in live action TV. Uh, in season eight of Smallville, Cosmic Boy, um, played by Ryan Kennedy, Saturn Girl, played by Alex Johnson, and Lightning Lad, played by Callum worthy we're all in the episode titled legion with only cosmic boy returning for the season eight finale called doomsday in smallville season 10 brainiac 5 played by james marsters makes an appearance in an episode titled homecoming all of the legion members who appeared on screen in smallville also appear in the story arc called argo in the smallville oh. season 11 comics so, uh, Darren, Karim, what did you guys think about their, I think this is their first live action appearance was in Smallville. What did you think about was. the way they were portrayed? Well, I'm pretty much useless when it comes to Smallville because I didn't watch 
that show at all. So <laughs> well, um, I'll I leave this I'll to it. Darren. <laughs> um, I absolutely, as a Legion fan, it was amazing. It was finally seeing your favorite heroes on TV. The way they were portrayed was pretty um, authentic to the way they are. Saturn Girl's the calm one. Lightning Lad's the impulsive one. Cosmic Boy is trying to keep a lid on things as the leader and be the uh, mature one. And it was a really great episode. A lot of little um, nuggets for Legion fans. They wind up fighting the Persuader, who is a Fatal Five member. And lots of little call-outs like Cosmic Boy calling Lightning Lad a sub, um, which is there's a legion of substitute <laughs> heroes and a legion of super pets in which uh, there's Comet the Super Horse yep. and Streaky the Super Cat, which Super Pro fans should know about. And, you know, there, there's all kinds of legions. There's legions upon legions. So, <laughs> yeah, this was, this was the best for me. Yeah, I thought it was actually pretty good too. I, I really liked this uh, Legion episode, and it, it was it was kind of neat how even with the way that Smallville tried to sort of keep it grounded and realistic, you could tell who they were, even with all the leather that they wear on. That's what I was. That's it's what a, I was a, noticing it's in a, the it's picture. A, yeah, it's a typical CW kind of look. Uh, so they were like, um, "We need this to be grounded in reality. More leather." Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think Cosmic Boy could be wearing the little hoops on his shoulders and get away with it here in Kansas. I think people would call him out for that. But well, at nice least it's not like the, at least the it's not the Dave Cockrum the Cosmic Boy costume. The Cosmic Boy Bustier. Yeah. I love that costume. <laughs> it takes a real man to wear a Bustier and fight crime. <laughs> Yeah, I thought they they looked pretty good on Smallville. So um, if you are into Smallville, which Corinne, I don't I don't blame you. It, it's a lot of episodes. It's very overwhelming if you've never watched it. It's, it, it's a commitment. It's, it, it was on for like it was on for a literal decade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you yeah. you really have to set aside some time <laughs> to watch Smallville. <laughs> but if you want to just check out and see what the Legion's all about, definitely watch uh, Legion and and Doomsday because uh, they they do a good job with them on there. And that brings us uh, from all of the Legion history that we tried to cover in a small amount of time. (laughs) Um, That brings us to Supergirl on the CW. And what we've seen of the Legion of Superheroes on the show so far is a a Legion flight ring in the Fortress of Solitude in the season one episode titled Solitude. Very appropriate title for that one. Um, And a Legion flight ring... probably I would assume it was the same one from the fortress was also spotted on the flash in the season two episode. Welcome to earth two. So, um, Corinne, Darren, what do you think this means for the Legion of superheroes in regards to the Supergirl TV series? What, what do you think could come about from having a flight ring in the fortress? It means they exist, which is a very important thing. Um, it means that Superman already has his ties to them, so he has joined them in the past. And a rumor that I've heard about who's in the pod mm-hmm. means that they could play a huge part in this coming season. So I'm hoping that that's the truth. Yeah, the pod person's going to be an interesting development. <laughs> yeah, that's that's still a little bit of a mystery, even though we talked in Supergirl Radio about how we were like, we well, we didn't kind of want to know who was in the pod. Keep some of that a mystery. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm personally hoping that we'll get to see the Legion of Superheroes on Supergirl because of her ties to them. And so I'm hoping we'll get to see something happen on the show. Well, just to, to wrap up, thank you guys so much for, I know this is a small amount of information compared to (laughs) what what you all talk about on a regular basis and what you read about. So, um, I know this is very condensed Legion of Superheroes history, but uh, this actually has been very beneficial to me and I'm sure uh, to Morgan as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, um, so, so so, thank you very much for sharing your uh, expertise and your knowledge. Um, Darren, where can our listeners find you on the Internet? Anytime you want to find out about all 100 and some odd members of the Legion of Superheroes, their real names and their home planets <laughs> and their powers and their weaknesses, find us at www.legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com. Awesome. And Corinne, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at CoreyMurray21. Uh, they can find me on Tumblr at FYSupergirl. 
And they can find me on my own podcast, which is the Supergirl Power Hour. Um, It's on iTunes and Stitcher, and you can find our as-mentioned posts and feed at supergirlpowerhour.com, where we are currently trapsing through the Silver Age on our mission to get through all of Supergirl's chronology. <laughs> and um, I just, I think what you what you both do I, is so admirable, and I learned so much from both of your podcasts. You, you have such a vast resource and knowledge about all this stuff, and so I'm learning about everything related to the Legion and Supergirl. Um, so thank you all for providing uh, that, and so I highly recommend that everybody check out those podcasts. Thank you. Thanks. If you would like to contact us, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And we have become a literal Supergirl Radio on Spotify, so check out our playlist. And Blake Neely's, uh, if, if you're looking at the Spotify playlist, Blake Neely's Supergirl Season 1 soundtrack is now on Spotify. And it has been added to our playlist thanks to our Legion of Superheroes expert, Corinne McCreary. So thanks to Corinne for doing that. If you're like me, you can listen to the song that it was is called Chatting with Clark, which literally scores the moment when Clark and Kara Archie chatting and cry. <laughs> get, <laughs> get, get some happens. tissues. Because that happened. I came on and I was like, what is this? I'm crying. Why am I crying? Oh, that's why. I'm not crying. You're crying. (laughs) (laughs) We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So if you have time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write a review. We are also a part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, and even the DC movies, subscribe to our DC TV Podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV Podcast on Twitter and like DC TV Podcast on Facebook. And you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid. That's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. And watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. And I've also recently been a guest on a couple of podcasts talking about Batman v Superman because that's what I do now. I talk a lot about Batman v Superman. So um, if you're into that and you want to hear me talk about that, you can check out DC on DC. Um, It's a podcast by uh, Dave and Chad. Good guys. And um, if you're looking for that episode, it should be episode 11 from July 2016. We had a really, I had a really good ch- chat with them. I think I was only supposed to be on for 30 minutes, and we ended up talking over an hour. So, <laughs> but it's a really great discussion. And if you if you're if if you're a fan of Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice, I highly recommend you check that out because it was it was a good episode. Not just because of me, but it was just a good discussion. <laughs> and um, also, a uh, friend of the podcast, Mike Zumo, had me back on the Man of Screen podcast to discuss the extended cut of Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. And uh, if you're looking for that, you can listen to the Man of Screen Extra episode number four. You can find me on Twitter at my name, Carly Lane. I'm weekend editor at The Mary Sue, which you can visit at themarysue.com. Not much else right now. I'm kind of quiet writing-wise, but Twitter is a good place to follow me if you want to keep up with anything there. And you can find me on Twitter as well, um, at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-S-T-I-C. I got back from comic-con a couple weeks ago so i'm still posting some of my comic-con coverage uh keep an eye out on uh buddytv.com for some of that i've already posted some stuff from dead of summer some stuff from teen wolf is coming so check that out i'm also recapping pretty little liars greatest show ever this summer (laughs) (laughs) so if you're a fan as obviously you all are uh you should check that out yeah and thanks for sharing those uh pictures from the uh, Wonder Woman 75th that we posted on our Supergirl Radio Instagram. If you want to go check that out, uh, Morgan took some good pictures of some some artists drawing some Wonder Woman stuff, and there was even a little Supergirl art in there. So thanks yeah. for sharing those. I think we were talking about that on our um, Comic-Con wrap-up uh, podcast. We but there did. was like there was a lot of like street art of um, of superheroes at Comic-Con this year. It seemed to be like a, a DC or a WB uh, trend where they just had people, artists working on stuff in the background of parties, but it was very cool. Yeah, I wish somebody would do that at my house. Like, yeah, just <laughs> there's, I just come home and there's just like a like a like some graffiti of Supergirl on my wall and they're like still 
doing it. I yeah. can just watch them. I have these two walls in like my upstairs area of my house. And I'm like, that would be a great place for like a DC Comics mural. If anybody wants to come and volunteer and do it for free, <laughs> that, would be, that would be great. Um, but yeah, so thanks. Thanks for sharing that stuff. Well, until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Carly Lane. And I'm still Morgan Lennon. We hope this episode wasn't too crazy, but to quote Chameleon Boy, You asked for heroes. You didn't say anything about sanity. Sanity.